Devotional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode number 31. Hey, look, I hope all of you are doing well in this very strange time that we live in. Uh, what an interesting time this has been. Um, I have spent a good amount of my life here on the front porch over the last two and a half years. I think that I've actually put more time in the last two weeks on this porch than I may have done <laughs> the whole time <laughs> I have in the last two and a half years. Uh, but it's been pretty incredible. I've gotten to see the rain come down, gotten to see clouds over the mountain and then it clear up. I've gotten to see this hummingbird. And I know some of you think I'm crazy, but this hummingbird is around here all the time and gotten to see all these amazing birds that are going by. I mean, the the palm tree in front of me is swaying back and forth. And I'm just realizing that in the midst of all the crazy and of all the confusion that sometimes we just need to sit and listen and and feel the wind like a warm uh, embrace like here in California it's not too cold out it's just a a nice embrace reminding us that we are not in control. God is in complete control. And I don't say that. I know sometimes uh, that that comes off a little trite. Uh, I mean that sincerely. I mean that personally. Uh, I ha- That's a part of my story is experiencing God in radical ways, seeing him move in radical ways. If you've uh, come along the journey here at Front Porch Confessional, you have come to find out that God has allowed uh, me personally and our family to go through some pretty extraordinary things. And uh, so I I don't just say that um, just saying, hey, trust in God, like everything will work out, like he's in control. Like I, I don't say it like that. I say it as somebody who's personally been through it, personally struggled personally had doubts, personally had worries and fears and anxieties, and I've just seen God uh, mercifully meet me in that place over and over and over, and I hope that you're experiencing uh, the same thing. Uh, This passage for me, again, so many of these passages uh, just continue to convict me. This passage for me uh, was like a light bulb uh, about a year ago. Um, a year ago, I, 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 I stumbled, I was studying through First and Second Kings and stumbled upon this passage and it just smacked me in the head and it reminded me again uh, this morning uh, of how powerful and how intentional God is and how unexpected he is. Uh, the very first episode I did uh, which in many ways kind of is like an umbrella to all these different episode, uh, episodes that we go through, all these different podcast episodes, is Ecclesiastes 7.13. Notice the way that God does things and, and, and fall in line. Don't fight the ways of God uh, for who can straighten what he has made crooked. That passage for me has been just an anchor, especially in a time like this where it feels very like, what is going on? This passage here, uh, 1 Kings 19.9, was another one of those wake-up calls for me, a wake-up moment for me. It was kind of an aha moment, so I'm really excited to work through it with you today as it has uh, continued to remind me in this time that we find ourselves in um, just a a wake-up call, a reality of how powerful God is, how intentionally He is, and what He's coming after as it relates to 
our relationship with him. So First uh, Kings 19.9 says this, There Elijah entered a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? Uh, I had uh, this moment maybe 15 years ago, 16 years ago, yeah, something like that, where I got the opportunity to speak at a middle school. <clears throat> I was a junior high youth pastor at the time, and uh, I got to go go speak at the school for like, it was like religion, you know, like w- world religions. And so they invited me in, and I had gone, I drink a lot of coffee. I drink a, a probably a couple pots of coffee a day. So I go in the downstairs bathroom, which was the boys' entrance to the bathroom was on the right-hand side. So I go into the bathroom, come out, and then on the second floor is where the class was. So I go up to the second floor. I, I do the first kind of session of classes. Um, and uh, once we're done, they kind of release me, but they hadn't dinged the bell yet. I said, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. So I, I go to the second floor. I go to the bathrooms. I go to the right-hand side, and I walk in, and I'm like, something feels strange in here. Something doesn't feel the same. I, there's no urinals. Um, something doesn't, and I realize. I'm in the girls' bathroom in a middle school, and I am the junior high youth pastor at the church right down the road. And all of a sudden, the bell rings, and I'm losing my mind going, I do not belong here. I have got to get out of here. I'm going to make headline headline news. A local youth pastor found in middle school girls' bathroom um, and saying, I, I didn't belong here. I didn't mean to. You know, you switched it up on me, you know. And so ran out. It all was well, but it freaked me out. It was like, I don't belong here. Um, this is a moment, Elijah has gone through a a lot. He has struggled through a lot. And in this, uh, in this moment in Elijah's life, maybe it's similar to some of the things that, that you've gone through, or maybe that you felt like, um, Elijah had experienced God work very miraculously in his life. God had used him powerfully to call down fire from heaven. If you remember this moment, calls down fire from heaven and experience these, all these miraculous works where he prays for it to rain. And, and, uh, so he comes to these amazing moments that God's used him powerful as the prophet, as Israel's prophet. And, uh, then he comes in chapter 19 at the beginning, uh, Jezebel, uh, she is not a big fan uh, of Elijah, and she wants him dead. So she's doing all her effort uh, to come after Elijah, God's prophet, to kill him. As a result of this, uh, Elijah just gets super defeated. He gets super overwhelmed. He's super exhausted. He gets to the point where he actually prays to God, God, kill me. Just kill me. Take my life. It's done. An angel meets him. And, uh, and then Elijah does something really interesting. He heads to Mount Sinai. Uh, he heads up to Mount Sinai. Why, the question, why would he head to Mount Sinai? After this kind of angel comes to him, he ends up going to this mountain and he goes to Mount Sinai. Why? Well, because he wants to hear from God. Like, right, he's going like, everything in life right now is really hard. I don't understand what's going on. This queen is coming after me. She's trying to kill me. Uh, On one end, I experience the greatness and the grandeur of God. And now in this moment, I'm running for my life and I actually want to end my life because I'm over it. I'm so 
done. I'm so exhausted. So where am I going to go? I'm going to go to the mountain where God speaks. If you know anything about Mount Sinai, if you've read through the Old Testament, it's a pretty uh, important place in uh, in the Israel's life. It's the place where the Ten Commandments, where God wrote out the Ten Commandments. And he goes, hey, on Mount Sinai, that's the place where God speaks. So that's where I I'm going to go. And so he goes up uh, to this mountain and he gets himself in a cave. And what does God say to him? So imagine, here's a guy who's exhausted. In some ways, he's like, God, just take my life. You know, he's worn out. And what what does God say to him? God, God's question to Elijah was, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? That's a bit frustrating, right? Like you would want God to go like, I'm so glad you're here. You came to meet me. You came to look for me. You came to find me. And God's question to him is, what are you doing here? Have you ever, have you ever wanted God to just give you answers? Like, just tell me the answer. Just give me the answer. Tell me what to do. Right. So God instructs him, go outside. So he goes outside and, Mo, and Elijah, sorry, Elijah wants desperately to hear from God. And so this, the wind swoops in all around him. You can imagine the wind. Like if you're, if you're here in Southern California, we have the Santa Ana winds, which I've talked about and I love, but they are very destructive uh, and, and they're overwhelming and they come in and they bang against the house, right? These are the kind of winds he's experiencing on this mountain, but he doesn't hear God there. And then all of a sudden, an earthquake shakes, right? All these epic things, they shake, and he doesn't hear God there. And then fire comes in, right? Like, it's this fire moment, and he doesn't hear God there. And then in a simple, quiet voice, God speaks the question that he asked in verse 9. He repeats it in verse 13. What are you doing here? You see, I think we're addicted to God giving us answers. We want him to give us answers. Give me the answer. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Give me the solution. Like right now where you are right now, maybe in this moment, tell me what's going to happen next. When is this going to end? Am I going to get sick? Is my family going to be okay? Are we going to be provided for? What about my job? Right? What about my grandparents? What about my parents? What about my kids? Right? There's so many questions. God, give us answers. And sometimes he's kind, he's pulling us back. Most times he's pulling us back and goes, I've got a question for you. And the question to Elijah was, what are you doing here? You're coming up on this mountain, waiting for this epic moment with God. And he whispers, what are you doing here? God asks him a question. And I started thinking about how we're addicted to answers. I started thinking about how I'm addicted to answers. I just want God to give me the answers. And then I feel like everything will be okay. But I know that's not true. And that's why Jesus is a great example for us to look to to in this way. Uh, Jesus asked 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions. He only answers three. He only answers three questions, but he asks 307 questions. God is asking you questions 
all the time. He's drawing you in. And, and with Elijah, what he was asking him, Elijah is going, Elijah, don't you trust me? Don't you, tr- you just, you, you, you trusted me to have fire fall down from heaven, but with your life, you're now running away. You're trying to end your life. You're trying to be in control because it's not working out the way that you want it to work out. So what do you do? You run away. You run away to this mountain. And the question I'm going to ask you, Elijah, is what are you doing here? Why are you running? And essentially what he does in the rest of chapter 19 is get down the mountain. Go back on mission for what I've called you to do. Right? But Elijah fights him the whole time. If you read the whole context, and I hope you do, Elijah fights him the whole time. And I think we do the same. I think we're so consumeristic in wanting God to give us answers to the questions that our heart, that we're not listening to the questions he's asking to you and to I, you and to me. God rarely answers our questions, but questions are intentions. He rarely He rarely answers our questions, but and the reason why is because he's questioning our tension, do our intentions. Do you want the answer to this more than you want me? Do you want the answer to this question more than you want me? And what what we're what we find is that we find ourselves in tension when he's asking us questions. And if he gives us the answer, it relieves the pressure too much. And what he's saying is, come on, come into relationship with me. Ask me some more. Uh, 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 Respond to my questions. Lean into the, the things that I'm calling you to lean in. I love you. I care about you. I want to grow you and I want to grow in relationship with you. Don't just be addicted to the answers. Listen to the questions, but you got to slow down and listen to the questions that he's asking you and I, because God's questions are often better than his answers. Not that his answers aren't important, but I imagine him asking far more questions of us. Just like Jesus, Jesus asks 307 questions that are calling us and drawing us into relationship with him. But if we're always addicted to the to the answers, we're going to miss the beauty and the questions that he has for us. So what is the question that God is asking you right now? What is the question he is asking you right now? Is he asking you maybe, why are you so afraid? Is he asking you, why are you so anxious about tomorrow? You know, is he asking you the question like he did, like Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Will you follow me? There's so many questions that he's asking you. So maybe just slow down today and and reflect and think, what is the question that God is asking of you? Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you see us and seek to engage our hearts to connect with your heart. Thank you that you see us. We need you to see us in this moment. 
and continue to ask those questions. We desperately want to connect with you, Almighty God. We don't just want to be addicted to the answers. We want to really lean in to the questions that you are asking because you love us and you have our best in mind. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you than your own heartbeat. Until next time.